Today, we talk about some soon-to-be year two wide receivers. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I, like, I'm, I'm in for Death, taxes, and the 2022 wide receiver class. I like what you were saying, Skylar. No, no player is completely untouchable. I think you guys really... I, had not, I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods, and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you consumable dynasty perspective. He's Skylar. I'm Wyatt. Today, we have a returning guest, our friend, Matt. You can find on Twitter at PsychWardFF. He's the lead writer and director of content for Brodo Fantasy. He's the writer, ranker, and content manager at Dynasty Football Factory. Matt, how are you? Good, man. How are you? That was a good intro. <laughs> Fantastic. Got me fired up. <laughs> <laughs> Excited to be here with you. Matt, good friend of ours, friend of the show, returning guest. Glad to have you here. You know how this works, where we talk about some players. But before we get there, I have a little bit of a surprise question for you. You ready for it? Yeah. Okay. As a Saints fan, what would you like them to do at QB? Realistically, a realistic move that they could make that you would like them to make. Um, I mean... I guess realistically, the the cheapest free agent available in that veteran tier of like Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Derek Carr obviously a little bit ahead, um, but that that's the realistic move Winston. I'd like to make. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'd be absolutely fine with Jameis Winston. I genuinely would be. And there I mean, seems to be something there though. Like, why did they not give him if, a chance on the stretch? I don't know. As as deep as I am into into that those beat reports and as you know I follow Nick Underhill with with notifications on and it was one of the best beat reporters <laughs> in the NFL yes. let alone yeah. you know for the Saints obviously which is a, just a great benefit as a fan um, I, it's inexplainable and if they're not going to go in that direction that I'd like at least a perceived upgrade from Andy Dalton um, obviously the late first from Denver isn't really going to be enough i think um unless they're going to throw a bunch of future first as well to get them a quarterback in this class so I, i'd be fine with you know a, a bridge qb um but there's also a lot of cap situations mickey loomis might be a cap genius but it's going to be really difficult with alvin Kamara's contract and michael thomas's contract and you know cameron jordan and tyron matthew demario davis and all of these guys are you know plus 30 so yeah going to be very difficult They've put themselves in like a really weird situation of having like a competitive roster, but not really a QB to get yourself there, but also not really having the draft capital to go get a good or a good rookie QB. It's like it's tough to navigate. Yeah. I mean, we were talking right before we got started. <laughs> we were talking right before we got started about managers who take these dynasty teams, you know, they kind of sell off all of the the draft capital, the assets, <laughs> they put the team in a tough spot and then they bounce. I think Sean Payton is a little bit Sean bad. Payton you is only, a bad dynasty only, manager, bro. You, you can only <laughs> kick the can so far down the road before you really have to have one to two seasons of stripping it down and figuring out what the direction of the team's going to be. And that's the that's the position I think the Saints find themselves in. And yeah, the Jameis Winston situation, I will say for him personally, I think he handled it absolutely like a pro. I mean, that's got to be great for if he does have any potential opportunity with a different team in the future, because I didn't hear the guy complain once. He showed up every day. Uh, he he was ready at any time if they were going to plug him in. So credit to Jameis Winston. I just want to put that out there because I, I would love to see that guy play football again. It won't be yeah, with the know. Saints. It won't be with the Saints, which unfortunately, because I think that's the kind of quarterback they're going to be looking at for the next two years. I mean, even, you know, some of the more expensive options. I don't know how they would even fit a contract with like a Ryan or a Tannehill. I don't know how those would even work i their their options are pretty darn limited if they want to be semi-competitive or have a quarterback who's not going to be an absolute dumpster fire at that point they'll just stick it out with another andy dalton type season 
<laughs> Sean Payton I mean, in is the, the NFC South. It's... Sean Payton is the dynasty manager who sells off all his off assets, leads the league, and then you see him asking about startups on Twitter. Yeah, he joined another <laughs> startup this year. Yeah. Yeah. He just joined another That's startup. Oh, this Denver orphan looks yeah, good to take over. Like, well, if any of you listeners or watchers out there want to comment who you want to be the Saints QB, jump in our Discord description in the video. Link is in there. You got it. Jump in there, talk about it. Now, we're going to be talking today about a New Orleans Saint, Chris Olave, also Garrett Wilson, Drake London. Now, I don't think we have to debate about whether or not we like these players or not. I think it's safe to say we're all fans of these players. But still, um, I think that the, the Dynasty community as a whole maybe not be coming up as much as I think everybody needs to be. So we're going to talk about them, see how just how much we like them and what we can do with them we're gonna start with garrett wilson dynasty league football december startup adp wide receiver nine wide receiver 22 and a half ppr total points last year but wide receiver 34 in points per game but in games without zach wilson that jumps to 14.3 half ppr points per game which would have been wide receiver nine on the season yes he's a wide receiver one as long as zach wilson did not start the game he had 24.9% target share for the year, 11th in air yards, 9th in red zone targets. I mean, it's all there for him. And it's looking like the Jets are going to do whatever they can to really upgrade at QB this offseason. Matt, what are we trying to do with, Zach, with Garrett Wilson here? Um, are we trying to get to him, trade for him now? What do you think? I mean, I kind of think that he, he's valued a little bit at a ceiling, but I think his perception to meet that ceiling obviously is market consensus and, and across the board is, is probably valued correctly in that, you know, high end or yeah, that wide receiver one tier. Um, I think it's going to be really difficult to buy Garrett Wilson. Obviously he has the draft capital. He has the collegiate production. He has the rookie production. And if the jets do bring in a quarterback, that value is going to probably skyrocket well above the wide receiver nine range. Whereas even now, like on keep trade cut, he's, I think wide receiver five or wide receiver six. So it's getting to that point closely already. The addition of an Aaron Rodgers, or if they make some crazy moves um, and, and get somebody else, I think would obviously peak Wilson's value even further. That said, it is if he's somebody that you're really interested in, the value is probably not going to get much lower unless he has like an Elijah Moore sl sophomore slump, which I, I genuinely don't see. He certainly beat out a lot of thresholds that Elijah didn't meet um, in his rookie season. And, you know, sophomore slumps are certainly common, but with Garrett Wilson, I think you can kind of like, as you said, it, even with subpar quarterback play, as long as it wasn't Zach Wilson, he was a performing as a wide receiver one. So the addition of anybody at an at a league average level is going to turn this kid into a superstar. Um, so if you're interested in buying, I don't think the price is ever going to get cheaper, but it's not like that price is, you know, it, it's going to cost you a league altering asset to get Gary Wilson on your roster. Yeah. He, he wide receiver nine in this ADP, but I doubt anybody's really selling him for wide receiver nine. They probably want right. slightly more than that. But as you mentioned, um, was probably the cheapest you'd actually be able to acquire at for, you know, the foreseeable future. We don't know. Um, Skyler, what do we think? Yeah, Garrett Wilson's the toughest of this group to really buy into right now. I mean, as Matt said, the price being there at wide receiver six is really what you're going to have to pay. Um, 
I don't expect that to come down. It's really only going to go up, especially once we get clarity on this quarterback situation, because really any quarterback is going to be perceived higher than where they're at now, which is nobody and or what we got last year with Zach Wilson. So I would agree it's not going to come down if you do invest in now. I wouldn't be worried about that happening. Also, you know, he the Elijah Moore slump was the biggest outlier we've had in like the last decade with as far as guys meeting certain thresholds and they completely tapering off. I mean, that's... I wouldn't even compare those two as players personally, um, but Garrett Wilson, it's it's real. If I'm buying into Garrett Wilson, it's really just got to be with your startup, Jess. So this is a guy we're going to be, once we get past kind of the first 18-ish players, and once we get into the back end of the second, third, early third, I'm, I'm just like autoing Garrett Wilson. He's one of those players who's just going straight up into my queue. Um, if you have a league mate that still, you know, views Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, even though I think Tyreek Hill is a little undervalued because his age is a little younger than people think, but Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, that's where I'm moving. I'll move straight up right now. I mean, you got Stefan Diggs, age 29. I'm really not viewing him as more than a two year player. I mean, it's two years of wide receiver one finishes, which is incredible. But with what we see, have seen from Garrett Wilson, this is a wide receiver prospect uh as good as you could possibly imagine i mean we i know we've gotten spoiled with jamar chase and justin jefferson and what they did in their rookie years but you take those two names out of the hat garrett wilson is in the top tier of prospects going into year two that you can get in the nfl honestly from a fantasy perspective so if you can move stefan Diggs, even i'd be personally willing to put like a little bit somebody cares about third round pick which is a dart throw anyway and that moves the needle for them to get that swap for stefan Diggs and garrett wilson i am a I'm making that move today. I mean, that, that That's really the entry point here with Garrett Wilson um, if you're not coming from the startup. It's really, really difficult. Maybe, depending on your team build, a, a Kenneth Walker, a Christian McCaffrey, those are the types of players you're going to have to be moving. And depending where you're at, <laughs> that's that's a lot tougher to do, in my opinion, than moving off of a Stephon Diggs or, um, to a lesser extent, you know, an Austin Eckler or something on what, like that. Now, the next question is then, Matt, if you have Garrett Wilson, what's it going to take for you to sell him? Now, not like for myself, I have him at wide receiver five. So I'm very high. It's going to take a lot like for me. And I would I would have to require a tier down receiver like plus a first if I'm going to move off Garrett Wilson, because he's such, I think, a stable asset that I'm not going to just give him first straight picks because then I'm assuming all the risk there. Um, what, what do you think? Like, what would it take? For you to so, away. I mean, that's a, I came loaded with that answer in a, in a recent move. Uh, it was DK Metcalf in a 2024 first round pick. And that was the, a tier down that I was willing to make around wide receiver 15 and perceived market value. Um, you're dropping, which I think DK is actually valued a little low on the market. So that was also I agree. an asset. I like that one, actually. That was also an asset that I was really willing. And then somebody, you know, that now, obviously, that 2024 first is probably assumed to be a little late <laughs> in, um, with, with Garrett Wilson breaking out as a sophomore, potentially with the quarterback upgrades that we were talking about. Yeah, that, that's basically what I would be looking for. Tear down into the high end wide receiver two, and, and then you're adding a, a late first um, of accruing value. And otherwise, yeah, a hold because as we've all, you know, prefaced is that market value isn't really going to move anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Skyler, do you agree with that? Uh, I do agree. There, there's things I would throw out there, but I'll I'll save those for the other two players because I mean these three are for me personally so darn close. I I do want to save a little love. Yeah, it's, it's for them arbitrator's delight there. for sure. 
Okay, well, speaking of, let's move on to the next player, Chris Olave. Dynasty League Football December startup AP was wide receiver 11. He was wide receiver 25 in half PPR total points, wide receiver 26 and half PPR points per game, 26.7% target share, eighth and eight in air yards, 40th in red zone targets, though, which was a little bit disappointing to see. But interestingly, he only played 66% of the offensive snaps this year. Uh, and I thought that was especially interesting because of the opportunity he had, <laughs> you know, the, the production he had to only be on the field that much. Um, and eighth and air yards is still pretty amazing. Even when you had Andy Dalton for most of the year, we know how, how the air yards were just stacking up when he was playing with Jameis Winston, but just like, I mean, just like Garrett Wilson, like everything's there. You, you can't complain about anything really about his profile. Skyler, what do we think? Yeah, Chris Olave. I mean, he missed two games and the team completely fell off the map the second half of the season. I think that affected a lot of the perception here, but you walk you walk through parts of last season and the difference between Kerry Wilson and Chris Olave is so darn negligible. You, even when you go back to the prospect profiles of these guys, it's it's neck and neck, depending whose model or what you're using to base it off of. There were people who preferred Chris Olave to Garrett Wilson or Garrett Wilson to Chris Olave. The biggest knock against Chris Olave versus Garrett Wilson was Chris Olave coming back for that fourth year. But after a COVID season, he decides to come back and he absolutely crushes it. Still goes 11th overall in the draft. Maybe people weighed too much into that, that year of him going back. I mean, the breakout age was even before Garrett Wilson. It's not like Chris Olave came on, you know, at a much different point in his career than Garrett Wilson. It's just interesting. You look at these guys they are both, you got six foot 185, six foot 185, 22.5 years old, 22.6 years old, 4.3840, 4.3940, 67th percentile speed score, 66th percentile speed score. I think you get where I'm going here. I think they're it's even almost, best comparables for each other on player profile. They probably they are. are. Honestly, <laughs> one of the funniest things. I, everything I make fun about of those these guys. Comparison yeah. sometimes, but that one is that they were just like, well, I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just, there are little differences, little nuances to their games where they are a little different players for me personally. But really, you're splitting hairs here. And with what they both gave us, both had over 70 receptions, over 1,000 yards and four touchdowns as rookies. Wyatt, when we got started, listed a lot of the, um, you know, the metric measurables. They were top, both were top 12 in a whole bunch of counting stats uh, as well as advanced stats. The difference between these two in market, though, has been shocking early season. It's come down to earth. You know, in the last couple of weeks, we host every single day. We host startup mock drafts out of our Discord. And so I've I've seen this shift kind of happen. And I think it's getting more to a place that makes sense based on what we've seen. But in January, there was a round of ADP difference between these guys. I mean, Wyatt was saying, yeah, I got Garrett Wilson as my wide receiver six. Well, when you're when you're asking who are we tearing down to, a tier down from in market between wide receiver five, six prices is like wide receiver 12 to 15, which is where guys like you mentioned DK, but also the other two names we mentioned here with Chris Olave and Drake London, and there really shouldn't be anything between these guys. So one comment I will make about preference here is it's coming down to price for me. As much as I love Garrett Wilson, I'm more interested in Chris Olave if the entry cost is significantly cheaper, which based by those numbers, in my opinion, there there he is a lot cheaper. Um yeah, it just shouldn't be that big of a difference. I mean, we mentioned Garrett Wilson's always going routinely at the end of the second round. Chris Olave was sliding to the back of the third, early fourth, and that gap just should not be there. These guys are so darn close. They're in very similar team situations, to be honest, um, where there's potential you know, competition for targets, but no one that's a true threat. Both these guys are going to see 20 
to 25% of their team targets at a minimum. It could even go higher. It really just depends. And they both have kind of murky quarterback situations, teams that aren't really sure where they're at. So I would just urge people to look in your league. If you have Garrett Wilson, go see if you can get a second on top of Chris Olave to make that swap because that's just a, that's just a, a winning move in my opinion. Yeah, I, I've got Garrett Wilson the highest in wide receiver five because I did like him as a prospect more than these two um, solidly, uh, but they're all top 12 for me. And like you said, like just if you want to tear down from, if you're able to tear down from Garrett Wilson to one of these two, I mean, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Matt, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely think that that's, if it's, if it's a possibility, but I think the perception on Chris Olave, as Skyler kind of said, is, is it's getting a lot closer. Um, and, and it's going to be really difficult to, to tear down because people are, you know, as you now have an entire season's worth of data and people are collecting all of that data and, and doing some early prospecting for next season as well, it's becoming more of a common norm realizing that he did lead all rookie wide receivers in points per game. And had two less games, sure, but obviously would have had more counting stats than... Um, Garrett Wilson, as his per game averages suggest, if he was able to play those final two games um, or those extra two games, rather 26.7% target share, 29.3% target rate on a 14 yard average depth of target, which is 15th, 10th and 10th respectively. And he broke he broke the single game rookie record for most air yards in a single game. I think it was that week three game with Jameis still under center and 303 air yards in a single game. And that's also third all time in the NFL since they've been tracking the stat like yeah, you, you said everything, and it, and it is kind of cliche, like, what doesn't he do well? But that's very true for Chris Olave, and they are very, very similar players. So if you can add any perceived value additional to uh, trading down from Garrett Wilson to Chris Olave, if that market perception is getting to that wide receiver four, wide receiver five range, which I, I absolutely don't mind, but I do think they're going to have absolutely similar production throughout their careers. And, you know, as said, it was... The, their rookie situations were not really that much different. I know there was a lot of quarterback woes in New York, but it, there are in New <laughs> Orleans, and, and there may continue to be. Um, and the same goes for for New York as well. We like to, you know, kind of place a lot of these potential free agents and, and these quarterback players there, but but nobody's there yet, and that that situation is just as unknown as Olave. So, yeah, I like Olave. In the exact same tier as Garrett Wilson. Um, I did have him a little bit lower coming into the class because I took into account that early declare, I think a little more than I, or that early declare status a little more than I should. Um, but Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are the clear wide receiver one A and B of this class. And I, I think it's going to continue for a decade. Yeah. They yeah. might not have Josh Allen, but really, I mean, this is what you're getting from with Stefan Diggs. There's a name I want to throw that out there again. I mean, Stefan Diggs, you view him as as important as they come to your winning team. I think if you could pivot off Stefan Diggs at this point for one of these two players, I think you can get Chris Olave for Stefan Diggs. You're making a parallel move, but you are getting seven years younger, which is huge. Uh, I, honestly, uh, Chris Olave should not be going after Stefan Diggs in startup drafts. He shouldn't be viewed after, but he is. I mean, current ADP Stefan Diggs is still above, you know, Chris Olave. He's not above Garrett Wilson, but. I mean, that's what we're looking here. I mean, Austin, I brought him up before. If I can put a second, you know, in this class, I have anything between 204 to 212, and I can put that on top of Austin Eckler and grab Chris Olave. I mean, that would be a, a home run move as well. Yeah, to put that in perspective a little bit even more, Stefan Diggs in 2022 
15.4 half PPR points per game. As I mentioned before, Garrett Wilson in games without Zach Wilson, 14.3. So, yeah, well, there was a stretch of the there was a stretch of the season. There was a stretch of the season, like an eight week stretch, where Garrett Wilson had actually I think it was everything I, I sent to you. It was everything after week eight or nine, where he averaged more points per game than Stephon Diggs for the rest of the year. Because Wyatt made a comment in Discord, and people were asking about these players. He said, "Don't be surprised when Garrett Wilson's putting up Stephon Diggs level production next season." And I was like, honestly, second half of the season, he put up Stephon Diggs level production. Right. He outscored him, and Chris Olave was not very far off. Um, second half of the season was stronger for Wilson at points than Chris Olave's for various reasons. But honestly, these guys are already producing right there, if not already as good or better than a player like Stephon Diggs. And if you can get ahead of that early, I don't think you'll have that decision potentially in four months. All right, Drake London, last player. Dynasty League Football, December start of ADP, wide receiver 15. He was wide receiver 39. In total points, wide receiver 51 in half PPR points per game. But even though we talked about the bad quarterbacks for our previous wide receivers, I think it's safe to say Drake London had worse than either of them. Marcus Mariota was just couldn't hit the broadside of the barn. The offense wasn't catering to the passing game at all. It was really just completely run focused. But when they got Desmond Ritter in there, things started to change a bit. He did have of 11 and a half points per game in the four games he played with. Des Ritter, which would have been wide receiver 20 for the season. And the big thing for London here is the peripherals. 29.4% target share. When it was when it was Ritter in there, I believe it was over 40% target share. 21st in air yards, 18th in red zone targets. Um, dominated the passing game. Now, Kyle Pitts was missing for a portion of the year. But he was leading Pitts in those categories before he went down. Matt, how are we feeling? I, I feel really good about Drake London. Skylar was saying that Garrett Wilson's one of the harder of these three guys to value, but if we're going to put him outside of the top 12 wide receivers in, in market consensus, then I feel better about him than the other two, just based on cost evaluation alone. I mean, 29.4% target share, as you were saying, is second all time amongst rookies ever. That's the second highest rookie target share ever and the sixth highest rookie PFF grade of all time in, in offensive production. I mean, yeah, it didn't really correlate to what we want to see as far as like nine and a half PP, or half PPR points per game, which would have been also the lowest rate of any rookie that has had more than 25% of their team's targets in a season the lowest point per game total. So the talent is obviously there. The production wasn't. And this is where you really talk about talent over a situation because it's not just the level of quarterback play, which obviously wasn't very good from a true throw value standpoint, from an EPA standpoint, but they were also averaging 24.4 pass attempts per game, which is ahead of only the Bears of 31 out of 32 teams, the lowest amount of pass attempts per game. Now, to think that Drake London also earned 117 targets when there's only 24.4 <laughs> pass attempts per game is actually insane. So, yeah, the, the production's not there because of how low the throw value is from the quarterbacks. But obviously, if anybody that follows the analytical kind of cliche of targets are earned when well, Drake London earns targets almost better than anybody in the NFL. Yeah. It's a, it's a great point. It's one of those, like this is one of the pure bet on talent, not the situation type of situations you can have in dynasty is, is Drake London right here. Skyler. 
Yeah, I I think with this guy, he's a little different also in his build. We mentioned the size, how everything almost seemed identical for Garrett Wilson, Chris Lava. His player is different. He's 6'4", 215, um, but he was the eighth pick in the draft. He was the first wide receiver taken off this. He still finished as a wide receiver three, despite what Matt was saying. The t- Atlanta was 31st in passing attempts and yards, 27th in passing touchdowns. I mean, this is a guy who profiles to be one of the best red zone threats in the NFL. They weren't scoring any touchdowns in the air, which contributes to his lack of fantasy points and why he was lower than these other two names. I mean, why I mentioned all the peripherals, 29% team target share, 18th in red zone targets, top 24 in air yards, unrealized air yards, total targets, yards per passing attempt, yards per route run, all of these statistics. He is undeniably a stud. And the fact that Drake London right now in consensus market is lower than where he was last June it makes no sense to me, right? We were talking about the entry point. I do think Drake London is the best player here to acquire. Managers love, they adore. T. Higgins, I mean, his numbers have been a little over 1,000 yards. You know, his touchdowns are there. Um, that's not unachievable for a player like Drake London when you're looking at the size. Managers love that player. They love DK Metcalf. They love, when you get a 6'4", 215 player who can put up these types of numbers and the peripherals are undeniably stud status managers love him he's safe wide receiver 15 that's not going anywhere it's going to be ebbs and flows for drake london to market for his career he might jump up to top 10 when there's maybe perceived weaker points in market and players managers don't really know which way to go he might slide back closer to wide receiver 20 we saw that plenty of times in mike evans career where you know he might not have given you wide receiver one overall finishes but the dude was a wide receiver two almost at worst for the majority of his career and that's kind of where I think Drake London falls here, right? He might not be as sexy as Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, who people think legitimately can finish top five as soon as next season. But Drake London, I think, is just so darn safe. And he still goes at the 3-4 turn in all of these startups. Every single time, he's going somewhere between 305 and 405. Every single time. And for me, he's, he's an auto the seconds I, I get to the third round. The only reason I'm not taking Drake London at the top of the third round is because Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson have fallen into the third round. There's there's very little players that I'm looking over here where Matt said it's 1A, 1B. I still have Drake London in this tier. Maybe he's a slightly less desirable. When we're talking tiers, I don't think the gap between him and these other two is ginormous. Uh, they're different kind of players. They offer different things for your team. Um, but I have them ranked 7, 8, 9, and 10. I have Amon Ross St. Brown kind of tossed in there a little different than these other two names but it's so it's so hard for me to decide whether or not i'm going to take one of the, these three players or amra that's a conversation for a whole different day unless matt really matt wants to get into it and drop a little where he feels I'm i do group. i did some i did some extra homework for for some extra credit here yeah i mean uh, yes like, i think amon raw should absolutely be valued in the same tier if not maybe even slightly ahead of these guys like we talked about how great those rookie seasons were and, and Amon Ra had a better one than essentially all three of the guys that we're talking about in this tier. He put up 90 receptions on 119 targets, 912 yards. So a little bit, obviously that yardage total is a little bit down, but he exploded towards the back half of the season, ended up averaging 13.4 PPR points per game. But, in the last six games, six consecutive games of 10 or more targets, he had 25.2 PPR points. And we saw him just make leaps and bounds in his analytical profile in year two as well um, with one less game. 
I think I think Amon Ra is always going to be kind of disrespected, which that gets into a little bit of the value volatility because of the fourth round draft capital that's attached to him and because of the, you know, low A dot and the, the obviously dominating most of the snap shares from the slot. Things of that nature will give a little bit more of a volatility to the asset. But if you're talking about just pure production, you're not getting 25 points per game from anyone else in this tier immediately. Yeah. I'm here for it. I have Amon Ra at my wide receiver seven, actually one spot ahead of Chris Olave. I think he's a stud. I think I think the production is safe and will and will be there. Yeah, it was disrespectful. We were bringing up, you know, when we were discussing guys like David Bell in the offseason, saying like, could he be even close to what Amon Ra St. Brown did? Is this kind of unathletic, good size producing slot player? You are praying a player like Jackson Smith and Jigba turns into 75% of Amon or St. Brown. And he's being priced kind of in that fourth round where we were saying Drake one and kind of slides back to, and Drake one is in, we haven't ranked in the same tier as Amon or St. Brown. Funny that they went to the same school and and Drake outperformed (laughs) him as a freshman. But if we're talking right now, I would trade Drake London straight up for Amon Ra. Like, oh yeah, that was, I mean, you know, I, I mean? would rather have Amon St. Brown as well. I have yeah, him ranked above, I mean. yeah. um, and it's crazy even when you go back and you see that Michael Pittman <laughs> was also on that team with it was a good room with, with the freshman. Yeah, low key, a very, very good. good one. <laughs> I mean, you go you go a year or two back, and you had you had even Juju. As crazy as we think of him at twenty six, he was in the room with with some of these guys, and uh, oh, it is, is it is pretty crazy. And uh, Bill was in the same room with all these. Guys. <laughs> uh, he's he, but in fairness to him, he's been in rooms with a lot of wide receivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was a little bit of the banter. I mean, we we always talk about these other schools and the wide receivers they produce. USC has been sneaky impressive over the last few years, and um, and yeah, I'm really excited about Mario Williams, Jordan Addison. That, USC's got a little bit of a pipeline for NFL wide receivers. Yeah, and where we weren't necessarily talking about Amra, I mean, if you take the market right now is crazy on Jamison Williams. I mean, we're seeing on like can't you see him go as high as like wide receiver fifteen, close, very close to this conversation where because I've seen him go in a lot of these startup marks round four, which is crazy to me for a guy who didn't even get to play twenty five percent of snaps in his year. Why he's even close to a guy like Chris Olave at this point is pretty wild to me. But if you can take that excitement for Jameson Williams and there's any bit of a window here for Amon or St. Brown, I mean, you got, you got to jump into that because I don't, I don't think that affects what we're going to get from that player in, in any sense. Thanks. And if you, and if you were nervous about that going into the season, I mean, Amara, he shattered any, any ounce of doubt. I mean, this is a player that I'm going to be half tempted to put in my top five for redraft next year, just amongst wide receivers. So you're getting that immediate production. I mean, we've seen two years of the sample now with these guys. I mean, the first year samples we have of these players is as safe as they possibly come. And again, so we've been spoiled with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, but these guys are just, they're all studs. They're all studs. Yeah. I, I mean, us at team JWB, we, weren't as high on Jameson and we're pretty staunch right now saying that like his price has gotten too high. No, don't understand it's why it's risen and going up to get one of these guys having to just add a little bit on to Jameson. If that's a possibility, I feel like that's an absolute smash thing. You yeah, should try you, and do. You've got a late first. You got one, you, you're a competing team, right? You had 110 to 112 somewhere on your roster. You could take 110 to 112 on top of Jameson Williams, get even close to one of these guys. That's a absolute home run deal. I think Jameson Williams should be viewed more, maybe that wide receiver 30 or beyond territory, because there's a lot of question marks on that entry. That's where guys were buying it on our sim round last season. And if you think about what James, Jameson Williams gave us in his rookie year, why is he 
the same as what we viewed Amra a year ago. I mean, it's where guys like Gabe Davis found the ways to last season, Mike Williams in years past. I mean, that point of entry is maybe fine, but this wide receiver 15 is crazy. I mean, I'd be half tempted to say you take a late first and a late second, Jameson Williams. I'm going to go grab any one of the four players we mentioned. Agreed. All right, Matt, thank you very much for coming on and talking these wide receivers with us. Before we get out of here, is there anything you'd like to promote? I mean, yeah, always find me on Twitter at psychwordff. Go download the Broto Fantasy Football app on all the Apple stores and the Google Play store. That that thing is free somehow still, so make sure you get in there. Um, and, yeah, I'm always around cooking up content. Come hang out. Matt is a great follow on Twitter. If you're not following, you really should be. He's fantastic. He's great to person, great to hang out with. Uh, I can say that because I've done it in person which (laughs) 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 as for us you can find skylar on twitter at bff buffalo you can find me at yb underscore ff you can find all of jwb's content at jwb underscore ff on twitter at jwb fantasyfootball.com while you are here please like subscribe follow we appreciate you it helps us continue to grow and do better and bigger things for all of you like i said before Discord link in the description. There's lots happening in there every single day. As Skylar said, we're running mock drafts in there every single day. Get in, jump in, have some fun. We'll see you next time.